Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is a misery Monday here on 106.7 The Fan. We're also simulcasted on our sister station, the Team 980, and always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. Brought to you by Chaniga Miles. Join the mission today at careers.mios.com. It's the youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham. Taking you up to 2 p.m. before we dish things over to the DOC, Rick Doc Walker. He'll take you through the rest of your New Year's Day. Right now, though, I want to go out to the BetQL guest hotline. is where we find our pal David Aldrich, the dean of all things D.C. sports. Make sure you give him a follow on the old X app at David Aldrich D.C. Happy New Year, D. How you doing? Happy New Year, young man. How are you? I am good. I am thankful for you giving me some time on the holiday. I hope you enjoyed the time in Florida with the family. Yesterday, though, you were... In attendance at FedEx Field, a lot of San Francisco jerseys in attendance. I want to ask you about what happened post game, though, because I thought it was a very eventful post game locker room with some of the quotes, sights, and sounds that we saw uh, come out of that locker room. What was your take of the environment post game in that locker room? Well, you mean the commander's locker room? The commander's room, locker room. Yes. It was, uh, no, I mean, it was a funeral, basically. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, as your. Uh, you know, everybody understands what's what's going to happen here. Yeah. It's not a fun time to be there on seven straight losses or whatever it is. So the guys were, as guys tend to do in these situations, dressing quickly, leaving quietly, not yeah. not a whole lot to say, but a few guys spoke. And, you know, I think everybody understands that this is not going to, you know, they're not going to be together as a group for much longer. So they have to, they've made their peace with it and are ready, I think, to, either move on or move forward with a whole lot of new teammates next year. Yeah, looks like it's going to be a lot of roster turnover uh, on this roster for next season. When, when you look at the decision that ultimately was made pregame at the quarterback position, do, do, do you smell anything fishy with that situation, or do you think it's a situation where, you know, Jacoby's hamstring got tight and Sam got the call? I'm never going to question a professional athlete's ability to play if they think they can or can't play um they they got to whatever level they got to as professionals by being professionals um they know their bodies better than anybody if jacoby's hamstring didn't allow him to have the movement necessary to play on a nfl field against one of the best defenses in the game i'm not going to question it um it's uh there's no there would be no benefit to Washington throwing Sam Howell out there against an elite defense, you know, and especially considering that Ron Rivera is not going to be the coach after next week. So, I mean, that's, you know, um, <laughs> it doesn't benefit him 
to play Sam. It doesn't benefit Sam to play there. So I can only take people at their word that uh, that Brissett couldn't go or couldn't go well enough to be effective. And then your options are, you know, starting Sam or starting the third string guy who hadn't played all year, <laughs> Jeff Rome. Yeah. So uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think there was anything nefarious going on. I take people at their word. I think it was, it was a really tough situation to put Sam Howell in. Yeah. And I think he comported himself pretty well for a half. And then as the game got away from him, you know, it was, he was not capable of, of rallying the team. Um, but again, that's an elite defense he was playing against. That was not, you know, the garden variety, bad teams that, that uh, Washington has played at times this year. So, um, you know, I'll take everybody at their work. So you mentioned Washington facing some much stiffer opponents talking about on the defensive side of the football. Is that, does that really feel like the reason why Sam Howell has kind of fell off this cliff here in the last month? Cause there's obviously a bunch of different ways you could look play calling, the protection up front, Sam himself. But to me, though, D.A., I do feel like it has a lot to do with them playing better defenses here in the last month or so. Well, that's certainly, I think, you, you, I mean, you can, whatever anybody thinks of Sam Howell, I mean, I think you have, you know, you, you have to be willfully ignorant not to notice that they've played much better teams <laughs> the last few weeks. I mean, come on. <laughs> you know, even the Jets, who are not a good team, have a really good defense. Right. You know, like, so... Um, so yeah, I mean, you can be the biggest Sam hater in the world, but that doesn't mean it's, it's untrue that they have played the level of defenses they've played is going way up in the last six weeks. So that's part of it, but it's also, Hey, Sam hadn't played well, like bottom line, he hadn't played well. He hasn't gotten the ball out. He, he played really well in the first half. I thought yesterday made some really good throws. Um, but then, you know, the, the first thing is the second one. I don't, I don't care about They're behind. They're trying to push the ball downfield. But the first right. one, you know, when you're in the red zone and you, you, you have to get at least a field goal that makes it a one, one touchdown game. You know, you're still in the game, but you can't come away with no points. And that's what he, he did with that pass. And it was because he was late, you know, right. I mean, because he was late with the ball. He wasn't, and he didn't put it where it needed to be. Um, and so, yeah, he hasn't played well. I, you know, the offensive line is not good, but I don't think it's – it's been better of late. I mean, I think we have to be fair. They've right. been better of late, um, both pass protecting and running. But, you know, again, they abandoned the run again after Brian Robinson looked really good in the second quarter running the football. They got away from the run again, and that's just what they've done all year with Eric. And that's just kind of – his philosophy is he's going to throw the ball I just don't know with this team, the way it's constituted, that that's the best way to go. Um, yeah. I think you have to try to keep, especially if, the, if you're still in the game. Right. And they were still in the game. Like, you know, like, and Brian Robinson was, was running to 10, It wasn't 30 to 10. It was 20 to 10. You're right. still in the game. You're, you're in the, you have a chance to stay in the game. Um, and you were running the ball pretty effectively again against a pretty stout front. So, um, but they have done, this is not anything new. They've thrown the ball all year. They throw on third and one. They throw on fourth and one. They line up in shotgun instead of under center. And that's just what they're going to do. And I can keep beating my head against the wall saying I wouldn't do it, but that's what they're going to do. I just wish they'd do it better if that's what they're going to do. <laughs> well put, David. We're joined right now on the uh, BetQL guest hotline by our pal David Aldridge of The Athletic. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter at David Aldridge DC. You mentioned DA, 
the writing kind of already on the wall for Ron Rivera and company next week, expected to be his final game as the head coach of the Washington Commanders. When you look at the Ron Rivera era in its totality, David, what do you think will go down as being his biggest flaw uh, here in D.C.? Well, I think the biggest thing is just giving him all the control over everything. Yeah. I mean, I just – there's very few people in there that I would give that deal to, very few, <laughs> including a lot of coaches who are in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. It's because there's a – it's a lot of power. Coaching an yeah. NFL team is hard enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like right. just coaching it every week, getting the getting a team ready to play, making sure that the, the game plans are right, and then going out on the field and, and ec- not only calling a good game and, and but being able to adjust on the fly. Something bad happens, we got to fix that. How do we fix it? We got to fix it in real time. All you got a billion decisions to make. Yeah. Do we go for it? Do we not go for it? What will we do in the last two minutes? How do we use our timeouts? All of those things. It's a hard job. (laughs) And then you say, not only are you going to get to do, only are you doing that, but you're going to be in charge of personnel too. So you're going to make every decision about every draft pick we have, every free agent signing we make, who we bring in, how much we pay them. And you're going to be the face of a franchise because the owner doesn't talk because he's so (laughs) hated around town. And you're going to deal with having cancer. And you're going to deal with, you know, a COVID outbreak. Yeah. The worldwide COVID outbreak. You, Ron Rivera, are in charge of all of that. It's too much. Yeah. It was too much for one person to be in charge of. And it just, I think the results showed, because the decisions are all over the place. Yeah. And most of them did not work. I mean, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> just look at, at, at all of the decisions that Ron made, whether it was Scott Turner as OC or the the trainer that, Oh, my goodness. That literally got raided by the FBI. <laughs> Ryan Vermillion. Um, I forgot all about that, D.A. The Yeesh. draft pick. You know, the quarterback was the first. You know, Dwayne was not Ron's call. I'm not going to blame him for that. He yeah. was that was he was told you have to play this guy. Okay. Right. But they just didn't work. And all of that, Linnell, would have been put to the side if they had won. And they right. didn't win. They didn't win enough. I mean, that's the bottom line. He didn't win enough football games. You got to win the games to put all of that to the side. But when you don't win enough games, then all of that gets magnified. And so it was to me, it was just giving him too much responsibility, and and not putting a structure in place that could help him. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like could yeah. help him make better decisions. I always believe in creative tension. I I think that's important to have in an organization. You have yeah. to have somebody to say, no, that's stupid what you're thinking of doing. And here's why it's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you hash it out. Um, and, and when you have one person kind of just deciding everything, then nobody is in a position to challenge that person. Yeah. You know, and so that's, that to me was the, was the downfall. They just, they didn't win enough. And I just think no one person, whether it's Bill Parcells or Joe Gibbs <laughs> or Ron Rivera, has a wisdom, has a, has a monopoly on wisdom. Yeah. You know, like you need people who can talk to you and say, no, man, that's not, no, Checks we're not and doing that. Yeah. It's, that's crazy. You know, and and they didn't have that here. And obviously, D.A., the place that you probably could have used that the most was the draft room. It feels like every year they have gone against conventional wisdom when it comes to the draft selections that they've made outside of Chase Young, I would say, because he was the consensus uh, number yeah. two overall pick in that draft. But you look at Jamin Davis, people thought that he was a third-round pick. You had Christian right. Derrishaw on the board for you. Jahan Dotson, a lot of folks thought, uh, wasn't a first-round talent. And 
this year with Emmanuel Forbes. You had Christian Gonzalez on the board. So yeah, I hear what you're saying with that. Yeah, and, and it's not even that those guys – not Jahan Dawson is not a bad player. No, I don't even think David Davis is a bad player. But they may not be the best fit for your team at, right. at the time you pick them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like we were talking about this yesterday. You know, if you were going to pick a wide receiver when you already have Terry McLaurin, yeah. then you would think you would pick a guy that can really take the top off of defenses, a guy who has incredible speed. That can, or that DA, can run someone that's 6'4", someone that's got yeah, that's or, big. Or, right, or somebody that's 6'4", yeah. right. Someone that complements right. the skill set of Terry McLaurin, not duplicates it. Right. And to me, Jahan and Terry duplicate each other's talents. They don't, they don't complement each other's talents, and that's what I'm talking about. It's not that Jahan Dotson's a bad football player. Yeah. I just don't know that it makes – that it's the best fit with Terry McLaurin here, that's all. Yeah, and so you. that's something that in a draft room, somebody has to say, is this the best way to, if we want to take another receiver, is this the best guy for what we have yeah. in this locker room? Yeah, I know you took a little bit of time off last week. I don't know if you caught this end of the news cycle. Jamin Davis and Benjamin St. Juice cited in a lawsuit from the mother of DeShazer uh, Everett's deceased girlfriend uh, that passed away tragically in that car crash. What do you anticipate happening moving forward with this situation in terms of how the NFL is going to discipline the players and does, does the team plan on uh, disciplining the players any further? I mean, I think everybody will wait to see what how this plays out in court. I mean, there's nothing. The NFL is not going to be preemptively do anything. Neither are the commanders. They will see how this gets adjudicated, and that's all you really can do. You know, there's been, you know, there's been a, a suit brought, and you have to see how that is resolved. You know, is it resolved in court with a judgment? Is it resolved out of court with a settlement? You know, until we have those answers, Linnell, it would be ridiculous and it would be beyond stupid for me to speculate on what will happen. DA, I saw the piece that you and Ben have been working on in the, in the Athletic about, you know, potential candidates for this Washington Commanders opening that we expect to have at GM and head coach. Can, can you give the listeners a little bit of insight into the structure uh, that you anticipate Josh Harris uh, potentially going with building this new regime? Well, let me let me correct you on one mm-hmm. thing. This is Ben's story. It's ben. not mine. I just I just Ben did all the work. It, it was a great story. If you want to look at it in the Athletic today, just about not just the candidates that are going to be out there for the Commanders, but also how those candidates have links to potential head coaches or potential coordinators that they've worked with or that know they know personally over the years and that might give you some insight into who they might be looking to hire if, if they get the job. So, you know, he mentioned, for example, Adam Peters, who's the assistant GM with the 49ers, who knows Steve Wilkes, who's D.C. out there in, in San Francisco. He knows Bobby Slowick, who's the O.C. in Houston, who's getting a lot of attention as a potential head coach. So the, those are the types of things you got to know that, right? right. When, you, when you're looking at a new executive, who are the people that they're likely to bring in when I hire them or if I hire them? And do I want those people? And so that's why you have to, you know, there's a lot of moving parts there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, look, I certainly believe Josh Harris is going, he's already done it um, with bringing in Shen uh, as their the analytics guy. Um, that he's going to be analytically based. He's going to want to be data-based. 
And that's how most of the good organizations in the NFL are, are leaning in on now. And so I expect that that will be, there will be a very kind of multi-layered top structure uh, of the football side of the operations. It won't just be a single GM or a single uh, pro personnel director or football operations vice president. I think there'll be multiple people involved, all of whom have strong data backgrounds um, that will arrive at consensus. um, And that's how they will build the team going forward. So they will look at, they will look at numbers and data uh, as much as the eye test. Um, And I expect that they will build this team. I think they can build this team, especially with all the draft picks they have now, you know, this rebuild may not take as long as people think just because they're going to have so much flexibility. And that starts with the pick that now is two. I may not wind up being two depending (laughs) on what happens next week, but even if it's three or four, you're still going to get a chance to take a foundational player. Um, You know, I advocated, Offensive line, but that was when I thought they were picking four or five. At two, it's just you're gonna have to pick. You got to pick a quarterback. I understand right. that they're gonna have to pick a quarterback, whichever one of Williams or May or Daniels they like the best. At two, you get one of them. You gonna get one of them. So just pick the guy that you think is the best guy, and, and that's what they're going to do. And, and I understand that. I, I, I can't argue against that. Yeah, that's why it's huge to get a really good football evaluator in here because that decision that you're going to have to make here over the next five months you're probably going to flip back and forth with it a bunch of times da i'll let you go on this bottom of the hour we're going to do our dc sports wish list for the new year choose Mm -hmm. one team your favorite i guess and and if you had one wish for them that that would come true for the 2024 year what would it be oh that's a good question um I mean, I like them all. <laughs> you know, I, didn't I, mean, mean to, I didn't mean to put you in a corner there to make you, you know, pick no, one. No, I mean, you, you know, you have a, you know, you have, you want the, the local teams to do well because it's good for business, you know, right. <laughs> more than anything else. But, um, but, um, you know, I, I guess I would say, given given the commander standing in town, I understand yeah. that no matter the success rate of the other teams, the commanders are still the most popular team in town. Right. You know, you'd like to think that they will bring in someone who can be on that Bobby Beathard level that can really kind of reset the franchise's expectations in terms of not just who they hire as coach, but what they do to your point. What do they do in the draft? What do they do in free agency to kind of reset what the franchise looks like? And Beathard was – Beth is the guy that hired Joe Gibbs. I mean, you know what I mean? So that's the kind of – when you get that right, as as big as he got that right, and then you draft Art Monk and all the other people that they drafted for a long time on his watch and got it right almost every year, that's the kind of guy that can, can change things. And so I would hope that the commanders, even more so than the head coach, get the guy yes. in here to run the show that knows what he's doing or what she's doing and gives – gives this franchise a chance to really kind of reset. Cause I think Josh Harris will spend money. Oh, I don't think resources are going to be a problem. I think they're going to get a stadium. It'll be somewhere. It'll be nice. They'll make money off of that. So I don't have any, any doubts about that, but you still need somebody to put the product on the field. That makes sense. Correct. And that's what I would hope the commanders are able to identify and hire uh, when they go forward in the next couple of weeks, in the next couple of months. Yeah, that process gets started January the 8th, Black Monday coming around. We'll see 
what Josh Harris and company decide to do. DA, have a happy new year. I appreciate you giving me some time, my man. Linnell, happy new year to you and yours as well, my friend. That is David Aldridge, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter at David Aldridge DC and check out his work in the athletic. Got to shout out my guy Ben Standing as well. I-, I wanted to give DA credit on the article. I thought they worked on it in conjunction, but Ben, as usual, burning the midnight oil, doing all the dirty work, getting us up to speed on the latest with what's going on in the Washington Commanders GM search, their head coaching search. It's going to be a roller coaster ride of the next couple of months, ladies and gentlemen. So buckle up. As I said at the top of the show, there is no better time to be a Washington Commanders fan than right now. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll get into something I was teasing a little bit with David Aldridge. We know Monday, January the 8th, we expect Ron Rivera to be relieved of his duties as head coach, and we expect major shakeups within the front office as well. When we get back, I'll give my number one candidate for the new Washington Commanders GM and head coach next here on The Fan. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Big shout-out to David Aldridge of The Athletic hopping on with us in the last segment. If you missed any of my conversation with DA, make sure you download the always free Odyssey app. Use the Odyssey Rewind feature and go back to the top of the 11 o'clock hour. It is a misery Monday here on The Fan. We're also simulcasted on our sister station, the Team 980. Uh, we're presented by Chanique Miles. Join the mission today at careers.mios.com. Right now, I want to get into... Speaking of the future a little bit for the Burgundy and Gold, Washington falling to the San Francisco 49ers yesterday. If they lose next week against the Dallas Cowboys, they should be locked into the number two overall pick. Our guy Seth Walder of ESPN just tweeted out the latest probability percentages uh, for the Washington Commanders in terms of the NFL draft. They have a 69% chance of locking up that number two pick. Uh in the NFL draft, what they need to have happen. They have to lose to Dallas, obviously, next week, uh, which probably is going to happen because Dallas will still be playing for that NFC East crown as the Eagles lost yesterday. But Washington needs to lose to Dallas, and then they need the New England Patriots to beat the New York Jets next week. I believe the Jets go into that one. Are they favorites? Don't get me lying. I'm going to pull up the old FanDuel Sportsbook app here. I believe... The Jets are favored in that game. But either way, we just got to see the New York Jets last week. We know how ferocious that defense could be, and we know if they can get anything going offensively, that they could be a tough out no matter what the record says. But early lines have the Patriots as two-and-a-half-point favorites at home over the Jets. I think that has a lot to do with the fact that Trevor Simeon expected to be under center going up against a Bill Belichick coach defense. It's going to be ugly. The, the over. Good gracious. I, I think this may be... 
and someone out there listening may have to fact check me on this. This may be the lowest point total of the year. The all-important Jets and Patriots matchup next week that could help Washington's draft position or cement Washington's draft position. The over-under, the total points set at 32 and a half. Good Lord. That's how you know it's going to be ugly offensive football next weekend in Foxborough. Woo. We got to watch it because we're fans and we want to be invested and engaged in it. But darn, who the hell wants to watch that? Washington, a little program, you know, by the way, will be playing in the 4 o'clock window next weekend, 425 Eastern time, is the season finale. It'll be on Fox against the Dallas Cowboys. That came out yesterday uh, on Sunday Night Football at the tail end of the broadcast. They went out and uh, gave the entire Week 18 slate. It was kind of up in the air talking about the Week 18 slate uh, because of a playoff position, and they wanted to put the best games in prime time. Yeah, the flex, I think. Yeah, yeah. They, are, they, were, they were flexing it is what we call it. <laughs> I'm often flexing on the microphone. I don't know why we're not playing at once, though. That's the thing I don't understand exactly. Well, that, because it's prime time. They want the game to be in prime time. The Eagles and the Giants are playing at the same time. So if the Giants beat the Eagles, and Dallas beats us, the Cowboys win the NFC East. Sure, but I just, I don't know. It, I guess that's better. It's not, Four o'clock really isn't prime time either, but sure. Well, Technically, well, yes. America's game of the week uh, normally airs in the 425 window. So it, I, I get what you're saying. Primetime is normally like a night game. But uh, the NFL's version of primetime, 425 Eastern time, Eagles and Giants will play, and then Cowboys and Commanders will play. As I just said, if the Eagles continue their tailspin and Dallas wins, uh, the Cowboys will win the NFCs. The promised and teased going into break that I would give you my number one head coach candidate for the Washington Commanders, and I promised I'd give you my number one GM candidate for the Washington Commanders. And I'll be honest with you. I put my hands together, and I get down on my knees, and I pray for this stuff because that's how much I care about the burgundy and gold. Make sure you go check out Ben Standig's piece in The Athletic. He did a hell of a job making the connections between all the GM candidates and how they have connections to other head coaching candidates throughout the league. A hell of a, hell of a story done by Ben. It's just a great piece of work. But even after reading Ben's piece, there's really two guys that I'm hell-bent on. And when I say hell-bent, meaning if Washington doesn't land these two candidates, your boy's going to be upset. Your boy's going to be upset. And before I give my two candidates out, the one thing that I need to warn fans about when you're Plucking from very good organizations like San Francisco, uh, Baltimore, Philadelphia, um, Kansas City. Because of the new rules, you're going to have to wait to interview these guys. So I'll be honest with you. Both of my ideal, my number one GM candidate and my number one head coach candidate, both come from a team that I expect to be in the Super Bowl. Meaning, we're going to have to wait. A while before you get answers to those questions. My number, I'll go with the GM because that's what matters first. My number one GM candidate, the guy that I want to lead Washington in the future and take us to the promised land is the fellow Scorpio. Birth date is November 8th, 1975. He's been in the National Football League for 19 seasons, ladies and gentlemen. Well-traveled, has been around the block. And he comes from one of the best-run organizations in football. 
talking about Joe Horitz of the Baltimore Ravens. Joe Horitz is the director of college scouting for the Baltimore Ravens. He is in his 19th season in Baltimore, but his seventh as Baltimore's director of college scouting. He is a part of the 2020 club in Baltimore, and I love this. This is why Ozzie Newsom was such a transcendent executive. The Ravens have this thing that they call a 2020 club. It includes members of the team's personnel staff who started with the Ravens as young assistants and grew into evaluators with more input. The term 2020 refers to hiring 20-year-olds for $20,000, according to Ozzie Newsom. This is the quote. The guys actually started when they were a little older than 20 and for a little more than $20,000, but that's what they call them. I want someone out of the Ravens 2020 club because if you're around the organization that long, one that's had as much success as Baltimore has, you want to pick from that crop. Joe Horitz is the guy that I want. He's well-traveled, and he's honestly played a big part in picking some of the building blocks of the Baltimore Ravens. Ronnie Stanley, uh, C.J. Mosley, Brandon Williams, Kyle Juszczyk, you name it. He has been a part of selecting those cats in Baltimore. And the reason I want Joe Horitz has as much to do with where he's coming from as much as it has to do for his penchant for talent and evaluating talent. You look at the Baltimore Ravens right now. It's them. It's it's Pittsburgh. New England before the recent fall off. But they are the blue bloods of the National Football League. And what's most impressive about Baltimore is that they don't have a long-standing history. The Ravens have been in Baltimore since what? 99? Yeah, it was like around 2000. Around 2000? But, man, ever since then, they have set the standard for what it is to be one of the blue bloods in the National Football League. They're always in the mix in January and December. Google says it was 96. 96. Wow. Before I was even born. But you get what I'm saying here, man. The Ravens do things the right way. And Joe Horitz is responsible for a lot of the draft picks in more, including Lamar Jackson, who they recently drafted. Zay Flowers, who they drafted this past year. You look up and down the Ravens roster, they are littered with homegrown talent. Probably more so than any other team in the National Football League. They thrive in drafting and developing their own guys. We need that philosophy here in Washington. Tired of us going against conventional wisdom they, when it comes to the draft. They also have a successful trading up where they that's how they got Lamar was from trading up and those are not always successful and you lose a lot when you do not hit on those. Yes you do. Yes you do. And the one thing I give credit to for the Baltimore Ravens or to the Baltimore Ravens for Joe Horowitz, Eric DaCosta and company. Lamar Jackson is not the average cat. Lamar Jackson doesn't carry himself like your traditional NFL starting quarterback. Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson, and I love that about him. He's not going to change. He is who he is. He's a young man from South Florida that had a rough upbringing that has made it and has created generational wealth for he and his family. So he's not as buttoned up as maybe a Tom Brady would be. He's not going to wear a suit to the press conference. Saw people yesterday on Twitter. He was wearing a, a Celine jumpsuit, Celine hat, Celine sweatshirt, Celine shoes, Celine sweatpants. He's just a guy. Lamar is the coolest dude on the block. But I credit the Ravens 
in the work that they're able to do in the draft, finding out what guys are made of, what their character is like. Are they a good kid? Because never do you ever hear situations coming out of Baltimore where they drafted a guy that's a bad apple, so to speak. Rarely happens, it feels like. The Ravens constantly are able to do their homework in the pre-draft process and secure themselves a damn good football player and, in most instances, a better person. And, Chris, I know I saw you peek in. You probably think, oh, Ray Lewis. And I know. I know. Well, there's also Ray Rice would be the other one. I hear you. Ray Rice was just honored this weekend by the Baltimore Ravens. Why was he honored? Because he made a turnaround in his life. He has now become one of the faces for domestic violence, one of the advocates for preventing domestic violence. So, yes, he had a moment in the elevator with his wife, who he's still married to. Yes, he had that moment. But that shouldn't allow us to make full-blown indictments on who Ray Rice is as a person. Because before that, clean as a whistle in terms of Ray Rice's character. And that's really the standard that the Baltimore Ravens hold uh, in that building. I gave you Joe Horowitz. That's who I want to be the next GM of the Washington Commanders. If I'm giving you Joe Horowitz, it's probably no surprise as to who I want to be the next head coach of the Washington Commanders. I'll tell you exactly who I'm talking about next. You're the fan. Happy New Year's out there to all of you listening on the fan and on our sister station, the Team 980. It is a misery Monday. We're presented by Janiga Miles. Join the mission today at careers.mios.com. It's the youngest in charge, Wilbert Linnell Willingham. I'll take you up to 2 p.m. today uh, before we dish things over to the DOC. Rick Doc Walker, he'll take you in to the evening time here tonight. We got our bowl games. Get ready to get kicked off. Top of the 1 o'clock hour. And then we got what we get to get treated to tonight. Michigan, Alabama, Washington, Texas. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm excited to see Michael Penix and company. Also excited to see J.J. McCarthy. One thing that I feel like is gone, that it hadn't been talked about a lot, it feels like, is the current prospects that are playing in the college football playoff. Last year, if you all remember, it was during the college football playoff that we saw C.J. Stroud really boost his draft status and really quiet all the doubters that had questions about his ability to create off schedule and his ability to uh, throw on the run and things of that nature. Obviously, fast forward (laughs) to here on New Year's Day, seems like uh, C.J. Stroud checked every box for the Houston Texans, and I think we could see a similar rise with Michael Penix or even, dare I say, J.J. McCarthy of the University of Michigan, another guy that, doesn't really, it really acts to do a lot by that uh, Michigan coaching staff. But I think here in these next two games, if Big Blue is going to actually win the whole thing, they're going to need J.J. McCarthy to throw that pill. Oh, I thought you were, I thought you wanted to chime in, Chris. I got nothing good to say about Michigan. I'm an Ohio State. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Metal Chris giving his bias early and often. I told you who I wanted as the next general manager of the Washington Commanders. Now I'm going to tell you who I need. Need it. I need it. I need 36-year-old Mike McDonald to be the next head coach of the Washington Commanders. And here is why, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. First of all, let me tell you who Mike McDonald is. He is the defensive coordinator 
of the Baltimore Ravens. So, yes, I want two Ravens here in D.C. If you're just tuning in, I just spent the last segment licking the damn Ravens organization like an ice cream cone. So you understand why I want Mike McDonald. The Ravens just do everything the right way. And there was someone that tweeted at me this morning. It was like, huh? Well, now you're going to take all that crap back about the Ravens organization? Because during the summer, I was very critical of the Baltimore Ravens organization. And here's why. They should have never got in that garbage contract dispute with Lamar Jackson. It should have never gotten to the point where he was requesting a trade. They were lazy and were trying to make the NFL negotiate for them. And, and the other teams didn't. But Lamar Action Jackson still and be more. All that being said, I apologize for what I said about the Ravens organization because guess what? I want to steal directly from their organization. I need Mike McDonald. I need Joe Horitz. Now, I know all of you feel like you have to have an offensive-minded head coach, especially considering the fact that we're probably going to be picking second in the draft. But let me just tell you a little bit about Mike McDonald. 36-year-old Mike McDonald is a leader of men, people. That's my most important quality in a head coach. Can you be a leader of men, and can you get the most out of your talent? And I think year in and year out, since he's been in Baltimore, Mike McDonald has done that. And the other thing I love about Mike McDonald is in 2021, he was out in Ann Arbor as Michigan's defensive coordinator. He's been around the block. He's worked with grown-ass men in the National Football League, and he's worked with the young puppies out in college football. Let me tell you why that's so important. Because the NFL is a blend of both. You got young cats and you got veterans. Mike McDonald knows how to understand both. He knows how to relate to both. And I think that's the most important thing with this. Yes, X's and O's are important. But they're not the end-all, be-all. I need a leader of men. I need someone that's going to get the most out of my talent. And I think that's what Mike McDonald can do. Now, if you hire Mike McDonald as your head coach, you got to have a damn good offensive coaching staff because that's not his expertise. Dare I raise you Eric Bieniemy staying here? Hmm? Hmm? Maybe. Is that something people may be interested in? I don't know. I'm not going to die on the Eric Bieniemy hill. I believe in other offensive coordinators as well. But when I look at Mike McDonald and what he's done to that Ravens defense, let's just call it what it is, right? The Ravens this year, Lamar Jackson has been the face of that franchise. He is the face of that franchise. He's a big reason why they're 13-3 and right now. But defensively, what they have done the past two weeks is damn impressive. The Miami Dolphins, hands down the best offense in the National Football League, Held him to 19 points yesterday. 19 points. They dominated the Miami Dolphins. And it started on defense. Turned to a tongue of Iloa over twice. They sacked him another three times. Pressure was there all afternoon. And the thing I love about Mike McDonald is he is aggressive defensively. If you got to watch any of Ravens and Dolphins yesterday, all the exotic pressure packages that he showed. Mwah, chef's kiss. They get turnovers for him, too. They get turnovers. Yeah. I mean, Chris, you know what? They they preach that stuff. Four picks against San Francisco, right? Four picks against San Fran the week before. I mean, come on. Think about what the Ravens have had to go through. On a short week, 
traveling across country, coming from Santa Clara all the way back to Bmore on a short week. They broke their foot off in the Miami Dolphins' ass yesterday. Why? Yes, Lamar Jackson threw five touchdowns. But they held the Dolphins to 19 points, people. What Mike McDonald has done there in Baltimore, I need it recreated here in D.C. And think about the young guys that are already on Washington's roster. I want someone that can come in and relate to those dudes. You need a good mix of good cop, bad cop. And I think Mike McDaniel, Mike, excuse me, Mike McDonald has a little bit of both in him. I need him, though. Mike McDonald, Joe Horitz. Top of Linnell's list in terms of general manager candidate and head coach candidate for the Washington Commanders. Get ready to reach high noon here in our nation's capital. We've got a lot of program left to go for you before we hand things over to the DOC. Rick Doc Walker coming up at 2 p.m. When we get back, though, top of the 12 o'clock hour, we'll do a little bit of a D.C. sports wish list. We'll bring on Ethan Cadeau, who covers the Capitals for Monumental Sports. We'll bring on Toby Altizer, the co-host of the Bust and Loose Washington Nationals podcast. We'll bring on Chase Hughes, who covers the Wizards for Monumental Sports. And then I'll give my Washington Commanders D.C. sports wish list. That's next. You're on the fan. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 